Our scripture reading today comes from Paul's letter to the churches at Ephesus, Ephesians in your New Testament, the fourth chapter, and I'll be reading verses 29 through 32, and we invite you to follow along in your own Bibles, or the words will also be on the large screens. Let's hear God's Word together. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Open our eyes and our ears, our minds and hearts, Lord, as we seek to hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. A man's shirts were dirty and he needed to take them to the cleaners. So he gathered them and threw them in his trunk. And then he forgot about them. And he also forgot that he had recently changed the tire on his car and had left the tire jack loose in the trunk. Several days later, when he finally remembered about his shirts, he went to the trunk and opened it up, and there were his already dirty shirts, but they were even more soiled because of the grease from the carjack. Well, he arrived at the dry cleaners and went in with his shirts in his hands and began apologizing right away. I am so sorry to bring you all of these soiled clothes. They're awful. And the lady behind the counter interrupted him right away. And she said, don't you worry about a thing. That's what we're here for. Otherwise, why would you need us? Perhaps the same argument could be made for Christians. If we could take care of our own dirty laundry, we wouldn't need God. We wouldn't need Jesus. We certainly wouldn't need the cross. Today we're going to talk about forgiveness. It's one of the one another phrases that we're studying this summer from the New Testament. Many of these statements from the Gospels and Paul's epistles address practical Christianity and they help us to live in both community and in unity. Today's comes from Ephesians 4, particularly verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other or forgiving one another, just as in Christ God forgave you. Here the Apostle Paul is addressing many of the churches around the area of Ephesus, which had some major challenges in their relationships. If you read this letter in its entirety, you'll see that the theme is unity. Paul speaks a lot about being the body of Christ, one body. And perhaps no other Pauline letter addresses unity in the Christian faith, as does this one. If you look at chapter 4, verse 25, up through chapter 5, verse 2, you'll see a series of practical teachings that help Christians dwell together in love and in unity. 
And all of this culminates in a command that we are to forgive one another just as in Christ God has forgiven us. In this passage, this section, there's a, a list that Paul gives us of wrong feelings, wrong attitudes, wrong dispositions, and then he matches those with positives so that we can dwell together in unity and in love. Put off falsehood, put on truth. Don't be angry, or be angry, but don't sin. It's okay to be angry, but don't sin. Don't steal, but rather be honest and do a good day's work and share the fruits of your labor with others. Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander and malice, and rather be kind and compassionate, forgiving one another just as in Christ God forgave you. We are called to put on the new, and Paul is reasserting this to the churches and to us in this part of his letter. We're called to be a forgiving community. When we seek to shape and form our communities based on Christ's love, we are as a fragrant offering to the Lord. One writer has said, where there is a church, there is a forgiving community. You'll recall that Dietrich Bonhoeffer is the author whose little book, Life Together, is where I got the title for our message series. He was a young Lutheran pastor who resisted Nazism and resisted the German church's complacent compliance with the Nazis. He was ultimately executed by his faith just at the end of, of the war. His book, Life Together, helps the community of 25 other pastors have some principles to live by as they were under his teaching. And in his book, he writes, the evening prayer of the family fellowship should include particularly the petition of forgiveness for every wrong done to God and our brothers, and we would say brothers and sisters, and for readiness to forgive wrongs done to us. Let not the sun go down on your anger, he writes, quoting Ephesians 4.26. He goes on to say, it is perilous for the Christian to lie down to sleep with an unreconciled heart. Therefore, it is well that there be a special place for prayer of brotherly forgiveness in every evening's devotion, that reconciliation be made and fellowship restored anew. As we think about this word forgiveness, there are two main words in the Greek I want to share with you. One is Aphiomi. Aphiomi is translated to let go or to release, and often we see that word translated forgiveness. And the other word is karizomai, which is the one Paul uses in verse 32, and it means to let go, to release, to pardon, to graciously restore. And you can see how that word in particular is useful for relationships. To let go or release I'm reminded of helium balloons and how if we had one today and we let it go, we would release that up to the heavens. When we karitsumai, we are releasing our sins to God and letting them go. The implication for this word is that we are to forgive as God in Christ has forgiven us. This means that it is by grace that we are forgiven because 
God in Christ has forgiven us by grace. We don't deserve it, nor can we do anything to earn it. Before we look at what forgiveness is really, let's look at what it's not. And there's some bullet points in your sermon notes if you want to jot these down. This is be very brief. Lewis Smedes, in his book, Forgive and Forget, shares these with us. He was a professor at Fuller Theological Seminary and he died in 2002. And he says, forgiveness is not tolerance. We don't have to tolerate what people do just because we forgive them for doing it. Tolerance here is to put up with behavior that's hurtful. Tolerance here is not the way that we tolerate others who have different views or beliefs than we do. But rather, he's saying forgiveness is not tolerating continual hurtful behavior. Forgiveness is also not excusing. Excusing is easy. We just brush it by the wayside. We write it off. We try to justify it. Sometimes there are, are families who will say, well, that's just, you know, as soon as he sobers up, that's just how he is when he's drunk. You'll just have to excuse him. And we excuse, excuse, excuse behavior and often mask it as forgiveness, and it's not. Forgiveness is not smothering conflict or sweeping it under the rug. Forgiveness is when we openly apologize and seek reconciliation and address the issue. Forgiveness is also not forgetting. The Bible tells us that God forgives our sins and forgets them or hurls them into the depths of the sea of forgiveness. But I don't know about you, but it's very hard to forget things that are hurtful. With God's help, and our, when we forgive, we're able to put those things in the back of our minds and not dwell on them, but we can't forget things. Sometimes it takes a long, long time to get through hurts. Forgiving is not forgetting. And accepting people is not forgiving them. I accept or reject someone because of the good or bad person they are for me. That person may not be healthy for me. I might be able to forgive them, but I may not be able to accept them as someone that I am with all the time because they are continuing to, to bring up the hurts that I've experienced. I can choose to forgive, but I may not be able to accept them as a regular presence in my life. I hope those make sense. Lewis Mead's book, Forgive and Forget, is great. And if you're interested in doing more study, I encourage you to get that book or check it out and read it. Then we'll look over at what forgiveness is really. What is it really? I would say that it's based on God's initiative in Christ. Ephesians 4.32, once again, that God has forgiven us in Christ. Jesus went to the cross to pay the sin debt that we owed. My sins were nailed to that cross. Oswald Chambers wrote, the only explanation on the forgiveness of God and the unfathomable depth of His forgetting is the death of Jesus Christ. He took our place. God's initiative. God initiated that process because He loved us so very much. And forgiveness comes at a cost. It came at the shed blood of Jesus Christ. The writer of Hebrews says, the law requires that neither, neither 
nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness. Hebrews 9.22 Our forgiveness necessitated the shed blood of Jesus on the cross. He stepped in and willingly became a sin offering that we would be free from sin. And all we have to do is go to Him and ask for forgiveness. And we will be cleansed and restored. Martin Luther tells of a dream that he had one night. And in the dream, he found himself being attacked by Satan. The devil unrolled a long scroll listing all of Luther's sins. And he held it before him. And when he... He read them all off and then got uh, to the end and opened up another scroll and got all the way to the bottom of that one and then came a third and did the same thing and got to the end of that one and then there was no more. And Luther said, you forgot something. Quickly write on each of those scrolls the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sins. God has graciously pardoned human sin through the ministry and death of Jesus Christ, thereby allowing the human-divine relationship to be as God intended for it to be. Forgiveness should also involve repentance and confession. If you've read the story of the lost son in Luke 15, you know that he had taken his share of the inheritance and gone off to a far land and squandered it and then found himself reduced to sitting in a cesspool of hog mess. And the hogs were eating better than he was. And he came to his senses and formulated a prayer. We would say it was an apology prayer. And came back and his intent was to apologize or repent and confess to his dad. And before those words could even come out of his mouth, his dad celebrated that he was home and had a great party. His son who was dead is now alive. The one who is lost is now found. It's an illustration to us of this understanding of being remorseful, apologizing, repenting, turning from our old ways toward God, and confessing our sins to God and to others whom we have offended. Forgiveness should always have that. But there are times where we are hurt and we never get an apology. Nobody repents as far as we can tell. And we are hurt. Sometimes we have to find it in, in our, the depth of our being with the help of the Holy Spirit to forgive when there is no known repentance and apology, at least as we have experienced. And with God's help, we can do that just as Jesus was able to forgive those who crucified Him when He said, Father, forgive them for they not know what they are doing. He never got an apology. He never heard repentance or a confession. But He forgave. Sometimes we have to trust God to forgive on our behalf. But we need to learn to repent and confess, to name it, to be honest, there's a story I read about a church in upstate South Carolina outside of Greenville, Nickleton Presbyterian Church. They received an anonymous donation which also included a unique apology. 
Members of the Nickelton Presbyterian Church, a predominantly African-American congregation, found the typed letter along with two money orders, each for $1,000, out in the church's mailbox. And in the letter, the donor gave two reasons for sending the money. Listen as I read the letter. Dear Sir or Madam, Please accept this $2,000 donation to Nickelton Presbyterian Church. I send it for two reasons. First, I am white, and I used to be a terrible racist. Thanks to Jesus and the Holy Spirit acting through the Presbyterian Church, I have been cleansed of that. Due to Christ's teachings, I am appalled at my former thoughts and words. I send this donation as a heartfelt apology to the African-American community as a sign of God's love for you and as a sign of my love for you as well. Second, if you are ever looking for proof that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are alive and well today and that miracles just as in biblical times still happen today, this is it. And it is thanks to Jesus and the Holy Spirit alone, that I have been cleansed of my former racism. Apart from Jesus and the Holy Spirit acting through the Presbyterian Church, this transformation never would have happened. So please use this donation for any purpose you see fit. May God bless you. Repentance. Confession through the power of the Holy Spirit, enables us to release our sins and hurts to God and release others who have hurt us. Sometimes there are consequences to our actions. We can confess, we can repent and confess, apologize, name it, receive God's grace and be totally forgiven but we may still have to suffer consequences when we've hurt somebody or done wrong. And with God's help, we get through those times as well. Forgiveness is also the pathway to reconciliation. You've just heard it in that story. Forgiveness is not reconciliation, but it is the pathway to reconciliation. Forgiveness is an indispensable prelude to reconciliation but not reconciliation in of itself. Sometimes someone may choose to forgive another, but not continue to choose to be in a relationship with the offender. We can all be reconciled to God through the shed blood of Jesus on the cross. And there are times that we are reconciled to one another. But other times, forgiveness frees us, but we cannot continue in that relationship. And the last thing I want to say is that forgiveness breaks the chains that bind. It frees us. It unlocks the prisoner's door, the prison doors and sets us free. You might be aware of Corey Tenboom. She had been imprisoned with her family by the Nazis for giving aid to the Jews during World War II. She saw her father and sister die as a result of the brutal treatment they experienced in the concentration camps. She survived and later traveled around the world testifying of God's love, mercy, and grace. 
She recalls coming face to face with one of her jailers during a trip to Munich. The former jailer went to shake her hand. And as she stared at him and looked down at his hand, she breathed the prayer and it went like this. Jesus, I cannot forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. Then she said, as I shook his hand, the most incredible thing happened. From my shoulder, down my arm, through my hand, a current seemed to pass from me to him, while into my heart a love that I could not explain for this stranger completely enveloped me. So I discovered that it is not on our forgiveness any more than on our goodness that the world's healing hinges, but on Him and Him alone, Christ the Lord. When He tells us to love our enemies, He gives, along with the command, the love itself. She writes this, and our fishing theme from Bible school is, this is not planned, um, but this is what Corey Ten Boom said. Quote, when God forgives our sins, He casts them into the deepest ocean, then puts up a sign which says, no fishing allowed. Lewis Smedes, whom we quoted earlier, gives us this reminder about forgiveness. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and to discover that the prisoner was you. And I would add me. Pray with me. Whether we have been offended or hurt or whether we have hurt someone and been the offender, your love is available for us all. Your love covers a multitude of sins, God, in Christ Jesus. Help us this week to reflect on things that we might be harboring deep within our being. Maybe we need to talk to a counselor or one of our pastors. Maybe we have a therapist that we know that can help us to address some of the things that we have suppressed, that we have had locked up and have never dealt with. And even though there may never be an apology, we may never hear a, a, a confession that with your help we might be able to forgive in Jesus' name so that we are no longer held captive. That our forgiveness of someone else can free us from their control and power. And Lord, maybe we have been offended. Maybe someone has said something negative or hurt our feelings. Maybe someone told 
someone else, something that was private and personal. And we have not dressed, addressed that. Maybe we have thought hurtful words or had thought about getting back to, against that person or retribution. And Lord, would you free us from that? Would you help us to let it go? And help us to seek reconciliation as Christian sisters and brothers. Because our forgiveness comes from you and it is in Christ Jesus we are free. In his name we pray. Amen.